You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode number 28, a.k.a. Claude Giroux of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada, and once again joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing on this lovely Monday morning, Alec? Not too bad, man. Had a pretty good weekend. How was yours? Oh, not too too shabby. How was uh how was your weekend then? What'd you get up to? Oh, I just went down to the rink for, you know, bittersweet time, last pickup of the year. You know, kinda it gets a bittersweet because everyone's taking the ice out, but you also know that means playoffs are right around the corner. And then uh watched the first half of uh season four of Ozark and holy shit, what a show. Man, I've heard nothing but great things about uh, Ozark, and I don't know. I just have a tough time committing to some shows that have multiple seasons. I, I don't know. Maybe it's like a bit of uh, inner ADHD or something that uh, kicks in with me, but I've heard nothing but great things about that show. What's it What's it about again? Uh, this guy gets in a shitty situation and has to launder money for the Navarro cartel. And some shit goes down because you know that doesn't always end well yeah yeah fair enough so yeah maybe i should get on that uh, bandwagon and watch a couple of those shows but uh you did bring up playoffs and i'm kind of prepping for some playoffs over here too this is actually the uh the beginning of playoffs in my fantasy hockey league so i'm pretty jacked up about that not gonna lie getting ready to take down eight seed I am, yes. I am, you know, humble brag, but first place here ended up. Uh, okay, so, you know, you know how it works, right? With the categories on uh, Yahoo Fantasy. So, you got your win. You win categories, you lose them, you tie, right? 11 total. So, not too, too bad. I finished with 150 wins, 70 losses, and 33 ties for a total of 333 points. So, not too, too shabby. I think I took over first place like week seven and then just never left it just you know held first place ever since so been on a bit of a tear this year with my fantasy hockey so pretty pumped about that so i'm just been crunching numbers all morning and uh 
you know, taking a look at eighth seed and, uh, you know, making sure, making sure I don't lose first round. That's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. You don't want to pull a Tampa, just dominate all season and then get your shit pushed in. Yeah, I know. What was that? 2019? Oh, yeah, that was that was wild when uh, Oops. Columbus stacked up there for for a little bit of a playoff run and then they end up sweeping them in four. That that was that was one of the most wild series I think I've ever watched. And Tampa was up three nothing or three one in the first game, too. Yeah, I think you're right. I think three nothing like after the first period. And yeah, then that was they fought back, watch. <laughs> won that game. Just, I know, just insane, too. Just insane. Yeah, I remember a couple nice goals there. I, I want to say Savard had, like, a dangle against Hedman in that game where he just walked him, sniped one in that first game, and they just carried that momentum for the rest of those games and took out Tampa, and that was Tampa's, that was, what, the best season in 20, 25 years, sometime since Detroit had did it, that's for sure. Yeah, I think they tied the win record. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Just been it fell short of points, year. but wild. But yeah, ever you know, we're on the topic of playoffs right now, Durham, and uh, unfortunately, the Kraken have been officially been eliminated from the playoff contention this season. How about that? Well, I mean, sure, that fucking sucks, but we still have something to look forward to. And I'm not talking about the draft lottery because screw that. That's like still a ways away. We're on Beneer's watch now. His last two games of his college season are this week, so he could be in the lineup, I'm guessing, as early as the ninth against Calgary if he loses against Denver. Yeah, we are officially on Matty Beneer's watch. You are totally right by that. And, uh, yeah, I'd have to double-check that if it's against Denver or not. I, uh, not exactly it up to date with it. Okay, sweet. That'll be a good matchup, but... Man, that's exciting getting to see uh, Beneers in a Kraken jersey this season. Oh, man, I'm definitely looking forward to that and see what he could do. If he makes it to the last game, like obviously they've got Denver and then the winner of that plays the winner of Minnesota State versus Minnesota. But if he does win this game on Thursday, then he could still sign. And I mean, either way, his first game is going to be against Calgary, whether it's Saturday or next Wednesday, Tuesday. Next Tuesday, I think. Yeah, that gives him a good chunk of games, actually. I wasn't He'll sure how 10, many he would get in. Maybe so. 11. Yeah, that's exciting. That's a good stretch of hockey. We'll see uh, Matty Beneers in Seattle for. So that's definitely something Woo! to be looking forward to. And you know what? Eliminated from playoffs. Yeah, we get it. We, you know, we obviously seen this coming. They're third last in the NHL. Um, but, you know, to be fair, at the end of March to officially get eliminated by end of March, start of April, that's not too, too bad. Um, at least, you know, my perspective being a Sens fan, it, it feels like we were getting eliminated at the start of January every year officially. So uh, this kind of feels like it's been later in the year. So I do I do like that a little bit. So we'll see what next year brings, though, if we're getting eliminated by now. I don't know. By the sounds of it, uh, we'll get into a couple quotes from uh, Ronnie Francis a little later on. But uh, I don't know if this is going to be the exact rebuild like we thought we would we had imagined or you know based on the picks he, he acquired so that's going to be interesting but why don't we get right into some game breakdowns Durham? because i think 
the the game against LA, the revenge game uh, that happened last week, I believe March 28th, uh, they come out with an absolute huge 6-1 victory, Durham. And I think that was the best game I watched from them all year all year long. That might have been the best victory that we've seen the Kraken get all year long. Oh, absolutely. And we were, we're pretty positive it was the best start they were going to have, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, man, it was, what, the second game of a back-to-back. So, L.A., you know, they mopped us the game before that with a 4-1 victory. That was the week before. And then, just like we said on the pod, no shocker at all that uh, Hackstall decided to go with Trigger and Net for this one. We said that would be the case last podcast. So no surprise there, right? Yeah, no, we definitely called Drieger. But uh, I was a little shocked to see Peterson back in the L.A. net there. I thought they'd go with Quick for this one. You'd think so, right? But uh, yeah, they gave him a back-to-back games. So a bit of a shocker there considering uh, most of the year it's they, they've pretty much been splitting the crease. So uh, I agree. That was a bit of a shocker too. Yeah, and uh, do you see the weather report before the game? Uh, I was kind of checking it. Why? What, what, was the reve- what, what, what was the weather report saying? Oh, it was revenge season, baby. Oh, baby, revenge season for sure. And holy moly, what a start to this hockey game, man. 14 seconds into the game, and it's one nothing. the Kraken. You're damn right, man. Alex Wenberg finishing off uh, a play that kind of started with a bit of a wraparound in tight uh, created by Donato there. And what a start, man. 14 seconds in, that, that set the new record for the Kraken uh, and beat it by, what, I believe one second. You got to love that if you get two goals in your first year in the 15 seconds of a game, first 15 seconds of a game. Yeah, that is pretty wild. Yeah, because it was uh, Eberly against Montreal earlier in the year. He did it in 15 seconds. And then, uh, yeah, Wenberg had to one-up him and do it in 14. Uh, that, that was an exciting start. Pretty shocking right off the bat, but obviously you love to see it. And a hundredth career point for Donato on that play too. So not too shabby for him. Little shout out with the stat line there. Yeah, and then a few minutes later, Cole Lynn gets his stick caught up in the arms of Jordan Spence, sends him to the sin bin on a pretty weak call, honestly. Yeah, I thought so too. And, uh, you know, the Kings power play, they they would strike after uh, Kaliev takes a bit of a pump fake pass from Kempe and uh, ends up scoring on a bit of a wide open net there. And uh, maybe not the start you want to have if you're uh, Chris Drieger, but... Uh, Thankfully, that team in front of him just showed up for the rest of this hockey game. Oh, man. Adam Larson picks up a puck off the boards, tosses a sizzler through some traffic, and beats Peterson clean to give the lead right back to the crack in midway through the first period. Yeah, that was a beauty. And uh, that gave Dunn two assists in the hockey game just off the bat like that. So, you know, he continues to stay pretty hot offensively for this team. Yeah, and it was nice to see Wenberg using his body, too, kind of trucking through Jordan Spence there, who's not having the best game. And then just like a (laughs) mad bulldog, right? Like, just goes right through the poor kid. Yeah, no, and that's one thing uh, I think we talked about with Wenberg is, at times, uh, he doesn't exactly take advantage of uh, his big frame all the time. So that was really good to see him doing that. Uh, But yeah, like we said, what a period for the Kraken to kick this game off, eh? 13-7 13-7 to 7 shot lead after the first. Uh, a lot of that success came off of uh, winning draws and just getting puck possession. Uh, so they were dynamite in that first period. 
I think they were 15 and five in this face-off circle. So anytime you're winning 75% of the draws there, uh, it, it's a lot easy when you have the puck on your stick to start those plays. Yeah, but the second period kind of had a pretty different vibe to it, though. You know, the game started to settle into that defensive L.A. Kings style for the most part. Yeah, and, you know, which is totally all right, too, because, uh, I mean, those are typically the style of games you don't mind being ahead of. You know, if you're holding a lead and it gets a bit defensive, at least that's less scoring opportunities going against. So, so it wasn't too bad because we had that lead, but... Yeah, it definitely started turning that way in the second period. And then we'd see some more goal action, though. 14 minutes into the second when yet another new Seattle Kraken player gets on the board. Yeah, and this time it was Victor Rask uh, making some noise, skating into the zone, slows right up, shows some great patience on the play, just kind of waiting for traffic to go towards the net. And uh, once he has, you know, some some uh, traffic going there and getting in front of Pedersen. He rips a laser just through Pedersen there and scores his first as a Kraken. Yeah, and it's great to see the new guys not just fitting in right away, but bringing offense to the team too. Yeah, for, for a team that, uh, you know, has struggled offensively for most of the season, if not pretty much all of the season, to see those guys come in and just uh, step right in and, like you said, actually bring some offense right away. That's uh, uh, definitely a bright spot and great positive things coming at, coming out of those guys who, you know, are atten- basically they're just filling spots right now. I mean, uh, we'll get into a discussion on some of these new guys and what we think the future holds for them in a Kraken jersey, but great to see them scoring right off the bat. And not just scoring, but let's go back to some guys who have been here all year. How about Big Rig just folding people in half out there too, eh? He was using his size this game, and he has been as of lately. Uh, you just love to see this guy when he when he throws around his size like that. And yeah, he he was laying the body for sure in this game, so you love to see it. Yeah, and let's give some credit where it's due to, you know, Drieger with a hell of an end to the second period. Four or five ginormous saves off grade A chances out front from LA there, which I thought was fantastic considering his start of the game where it looked like pucks were kind of just hitting him. And then you, yeah. the end of the second here, he's like, these are mine. I'm hunting these pucks down. Yeah, no, 100%, especially by the end of that second. He he made huge saves to keep, because uh, it was just a one-goal lead heading in, right? So uh, it was really nice to see him playing with like some legit confidence once again, because uh, it feels like it's been a little while since we've seen that version of Chris Drieger. I don't know if we really have all season, but he absolutely came to play in this game. Yeah, if he can keep that going, I like our odds next year with him and uh, Grubauer in net. If they're settled 100% in hundred percent agree. And the goals and just uh, kept on coming in the third period too, a eh, for the Kraken. They did. Yeah. It was a fantastic third period. Uh, who was it? I think Jordan Eberle ends up blocking a, a shot from the point. Uh, and yeah, giving him a bit of an open breakaway look on Pedersen there. And he ends up snapping a wrister off the far post and in giving him his 16th goal on the year. And, yeah, breaking another scoreless streak for him. That was his first in 11 games. Which is kind of like wild to me, right? I would have never considered Everly such an inconsistent scorer. 
Yeah, no kidding, because he went, what, like 20 games without a goal? He scored one and then went another 11 games without a goal? Like, that's a third of the year. And he still has a chance to be a 20-goal scorer this year. Far be it from our prediction of him setting his career high in goals. Well, damn, when he's got off to a start like that, you're just like, oh, this guy's hitting 30 for sure. Yeah, you don't really expect uh, two goals in a 31-game stretch, do you? No. Damn it, Jordan. Keep yeah, scoring. pretty wild. But yeah, Kraken kept scoring. Uh, they get, what, off another turnover from LA, I believe, and it led to a two-on-one chance between Canner and Geeky there. And Geeky kind of starts to play off coming in, sauces it over to McCann. He ends up holding on to that puck, DeLang, and uh, decides to just go roof daddy, short side, and uh, giving the Kraken just a massive 5-1 lead in the hockey game. And Durham, they still weren't even done there. No, the new guy, Daniel Sprong, just pops in the final goal of the game and extending his goal-scoring streak to three games in a Kraken jersey. The guy's hot, right? Oh, my God, dude. Three three goals in three games to start your uh, career off in a Kraken jersey. He's absolutely making a statement with that kind of performance. Um, You know, it's just wild to think that uh, the guy steps in and scores three three goals in three games. So credit to Daniel Sprong and what he had uh, done to start off because that is, uh, you know, speaks for itself how how amazing that is. Yeah, and a 6-1 final. What a game for Seattle. And I got to say, that was probably the most complete hockey game we've seen from them all year long. A legitimate 60-minute effort from everybody on the team. Dude, I completely agree. Uh, Drieger was lights out his best game. Uh, You take a look, they had 37 shots. Uh, They played 60 minutes of consistent hockey. There wasn't really any point in this hockey game where I thought, you know, know, L.A. started to take over. Uh, You know, they had 25 hits. They're throwing the body. Uh, You just look at every single department of this hockey game. uh, And, yeah, everybody showed up. one of the best, one of the best games I've seen all year for sure. But uh, bringing it over, they played uh, Vegas back to back after that. And I know last pod we predicted some wins, Durham. It didn't exactly, didn't exactly come out to be some wins, did it? No, uh, not what we predicted. We did uh, predict a shutout, but the wrong team got it. Yeah, unfortunately, March 30th, the first of two games against Vegas. Yeah, they drop a, they drop a game 3 nothing, and that's a tough one because uh, it, it really wasn't an exciting game to watch at all. And it was the first game of a back-to-back against Vegas. They've kind of been struggling. And, of course, being the other expansion team, uh, you know, you kind of want to keep them out of playoffs, right? So we were hoping for some wins to, in order to do that. And uh, yeah, how for this game though, how can you not start Chris Drieger after last game, right? The 37 shots, he stopped 36 of them. Um, we still didn't have Flurry or Schwartz uh, in uh, in the lineup for this one. So no Hayden Flurry. Schwartz was still out with uh, upper body. Uh, Flurry was just a healthy, I believe. But uh Side note here, Durham, because this is kind of mind-boggling. This was the first time all year that the forward lines actually stayed the same for three straight games. That's freaking nuts. Like, that's pretty tough to find some consistency, right? No kidding. Like, 
that actually like that actually gets me a little bit mad thinking about that because it's how can you find consistency in the lineup if if that's the case where you, you haven't gone three straight games without changing stuff up constantly and we've seen it right i mean lines were constantly in a blender early on uh and yeah what are you supposed to do how can you find chemistry if uh, you can't get you know multiple games not even like a full week together without things changing so that's just mind-boggling i don't know if i like that stat at all yeah i mean sure injuries and your fourth line guys will kind of play into that a bit but at the same time you'd think you'd have a three-game stretch somewhere where it's like hey we're kind of rolling let's not touch it oh yeah 100 percent. but yeah getting right into this game um you're cracking out a nice opportunity right off the bat. Connor Geeky made a really sweet move early in the game. He kind of kicked it, kicked the puck up to his stick in full stride. Almost ended up with Larson scoring off the rush there. That would have been back-to-back games with a goal for number six there, but uh, no dice on that one. And then his very next shift, number six there, picks up a penalty for a cross-check. And uh, got to admit, Seattle, their their penalty kill the last few games been really good, and uh, they did a super superb job in this game too uh just killing off penalties so uh that was pretty nice yeah and then halfway through the first the hockey gods blessed us with a heavyweight bout between big rig jamie alexiak and keegan kolsar and what a fight that was oh my god they were just throwing fisticuffs man two heavyweights going at it and uh Yeah, you're never going to complain when you have a quality fight like that. I mean, both guys just stood there and threw uh, for, I'd say, a good 45 seconds. It was was definitely up there for one of the best fights of the year, I'd say, uh, for anyone from in a Kraken jersey. Obviously, we're going to give the edge to the big rig, because not just because he's a Kraken, but he scored the takedown there, too. Scored the takedown, and Durham, I don't know if you caught it, but uh, during that fight, the arena, the arena music, they're playing the Fresh Prince of Bel Air theme song. <laughs> so got one little fight, my mom got scared. Anyways, obviously they're taking some shots at uh, you know some recent drama that had happened, uh, you know, between uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock. There, if you know, you know. Yeah, what was your take on that? What do you think? Just quickly. Just I thought it was fucking it funny. There. I thought it was dumb as shit, but I thought that's why it was funny. I yeah, it it was shocking for sure. The um, best thing to come out of that is the fucking memes where they uh people replace their bodies with their animated characters, like the fucking zebra from Madagascar and the fish from <laughs> Shark Tale. <laughs> Will Smith walks up with the fish and just smacks the shit out of the zebra. <laughs> Oh, I seen ones from like, you know, if if it happened in a multi universe where Chris Rock like, I don't know, like drop kicks him and he goes flying and stuff, like dodges. The, the I slap. saw that one too. That was pretty well made, actually. It that was dodge looked very, good. like it looked legit, right? But yeah, yeah, that was insane. I don't know. Part of me definitely, I feel like I lost a bit of uh, respect there for Will Smith, and now I like Chris Rock even more. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, just wild. But anyways, absolute double thumbs up to the arena staff, whoever's controlling the music to put that fucking song on (laughs) for that fight. Oh my God, that was amazing. That was the best part of the hockey game. 
Yeah, it definitely didn't get better for Seattle because, uh, you know, Borgen would then take a hooking call and the Kraken once again would kill it off with ease, though. So, you know, didn't hurt us too bad. Not too bad, but that would pretty uh, that pretty much wrap up the first period there. Kind of seen a lot of defensive play. Uh, I mean, shots were seven to five for the Kraken, which considering all the penalties they took, they took, I think, three total. But uh, pretty impressive when you're out shooting the the uh, other team you take three penalties and not a single power play to you so it was a it was a decent first have to admit that but uh to start the second period off uh colin gets his fabulous opportunity he kind of walks in and just lets one go uh and ends, ends up hitting the crossbar and staying out but a uh, heck of a wrist shot there and that honestly was probably the best offensive chance all game that's tough when the best offensive chance we have all game doesn't go in the net yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no kidding. And <laughs> yeah, the Kraken, they'd finally get a power play, but it ends up being Drager making a fantastic breakaway save on William Carlson on just an awful giveaway. And as the power play ended, uh, Shade Theodore ends up coming right out of the box, takes a pass, and, you know, he gets a breakaway of his own, ends up making it one nothing Vegas, and Drager just wasn't able to come up big on that chance, and how can you blame him, right? You're making him stop multiple breakaways like that in uh, in a basically a minute time. So uh, that was just a bad play in the middle of the ice there from Victor Rask. He, he mishandled the puck pretty hard, and it ends up being a pretty costly mistake. Yeah, and the second would wrap up with Theodore as the only goal scorer in the game. But man, it could have been so much worse if not for the play of Dreger there. Again, coming up with a few real quality saves. Yeah, and Vegas, they did start to pour on the pressure after the, after their goal there. Uh, Dreger stood tall. He wasn't letting any phony goals in, in this game. So, you know, looking much, much better, obviously. And uh, Seattle had the edge in shots in the second, too. Or, um, sorry, Vegas had the edge in shots. They outshot Seattle 14 to nine there. And, uh, yeah, the third period, but wasn't a whole lot better. Was it? No. Cause in the third there, Vegas extends their lead to two, nothing after Michael Amadio buries the fourth whack at the puck in front of Chris Drieger. Yeah. And a bit of a lucky bounce for Vegas there. That puck ends up going off Larson's skate in the crease and kind of by the angle they showed, of kind of, you know, the above crease angle there. Uh, yeah, that was going wide for sure if it if it didn't go off Larson's skate. So they got a bit of a lucky break there. Yeah, but that wouldn't be enough because, you know, just too many breakaways and odd man rushes given up by Seattle in this game. So that's going to put a dent in anyone's ability to maintain momentum. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Donato took a bit of a careless hit in the corner on White Cloud. He gets called for boarding. And then, yeah, it was, yeah, there wasn't much exciting about this one. I mean, uh, they went three for three on the PK after another successful kill. So, you know, Dringer was really the bright spot for Seattle in the game. And with the goalie pull, Jordan Eberle pulls the boys back within one goal. But wait, hold up. Another one, another one called offside against the Kraken. So uh, I'm pretty sure you had sent me a stat earlier where do the Kraken literally have the most uh, goals waved off tied with Columbus, right? For, yeah, I think uh, it's nine. Nine. Lead the yeah, league with most challenge. goals called back by challenges. 
by challenges that. So yeah, that explains, you know, how many times we've talked about it on the pod. Cause it seems to happen all the time. The worst part about it was Eberly was the one who put himself offside on that play. He, you know, ended up, uh, the way he was handling the puck, he managed to cross over the blue line first and didn't really have possession of the puck as he did it. So that's why uh, it was called offside. So bit of a whack play there, but Vegas wins the first game of the mini series with a final score of three, nothing after an empty netter from Marcia. So, and yeah, I'd say a good start to the game. Not a great last 30 minutes for Seattle though. No, they just struggled to find consistency up front. I mean, they had a couple dangerous looks, but they never sustained a great forechecking game throughout this one at all. Yeah, uh, another, like we said, great game from Driggs. Uh, but you're never going to give the goalie a chance to win if you can't get any goals on the board. So uh, a tough one, right? Tough one to drop, 3 nothing, And then... You know, you get a day break off, and then you're still back at home against Vegas uh, on the back-to-back. Yeah, and this one's no joke, everybody. No. April 1st against Vegas. We're going April for it. April 1st. And you know what? Vibes were, were feeling a bit better going into the game. You know, they're back on uh, – we were back with John Forslund and JT Brown calling the game. So uh, that's always nice. And not only that, Durham, but Seattle came into the matchup with a 2-1 and one 2-1-0 record in their last three Friday night games. So how about that stat? Gotta love it anytime it's a winning record, right? Oh, yeah. Just uh, hint, hint, don't look at the prior Friday night games before that 2-1 record. <laughs> uh, but we'll do anything we can to make it look like the Kraken are playing fantastic hockey. So, you know. That's just anything, good marketing. Anything to get the vibes going. Um, but no shocker that Grubauer was back in net. I mean, Drager, yes, played two fantastic games in a row. But, I mean, you have to have some healthy competition in the crease. And Gru is still the number one guy in the crease, uh, you know, for this hockey team, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You can't just sit him on the bench either because you can't have your number one guy sitting there not getting reps in. I know it's the end of the year. We're not really playing for anything other than a draft lottery position. I swear to God, if we play ourselves out of that, I'm going to go insane. <laughs> yeah i know we got to keep ourselves in the top three and uh some some uh interesting quotes too uh you know putting grubauer back in the net from coach hackstall and i'm just gonna read these ones off Durham because i don't know this guy this guy man i just don't understand him sometimes so so he confirmed grubauer was starting in the game against vegas right and uh quote unquote he said uh we need a good performance tonight we need leadership in that position and then he goes on to say, so that's, you know, he says that, which, okay, it kind of throws some question marks up. And then he also mentioned, uh, we're looking at creating as much of a compet- competitive situation as possible. Driggs has played well the last couple of games. Had our team come away with a win, there would have been strong consideration for him to go uh, three in a row. So he did say that, which... I don't know. Give me your thoughts on those quotes, man. I mean, the looking for a leadership in that position, I don't know. That cut could make me think he's kind of challenging both as he wants someone to take the reign. And I don't think he's wrong with the, you want a healthy competition there. Like every good team will tell you, you need internal competition at every position, pushing a healthy battle, right? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I kind of can see what he's saying. The leadership one kind of threw me off a little bit. 
Yeah, that first part of the quote was a little weird. I mean, Drigger just got done playing two fantastic games, and then he says you need leadership from that position too. So, um, I mean, the team didn't score a single goal last game. So you, you go, I don't know. To me, it, it was just weird vibes, weird juju. I don't know. I just don't agree with some of the stuff Hackstall says, and I think some of that could have been worded better. Let's just say that. But, yeah, unfortunately in this game, there wasn't a whole lot different from last game. Uh, the Golden Knights striking first again off of a relatively minor-looking play there. Vegas had a bit of a cycle going on in Kraken's end. Martinez is in the corner. He throws the puck out front to Eichel, and he just gets a piece of it and somehow just squeaked through the legs of Grubauer to open the scoring on that one. Yeah, that was kind of a tough bounce just going through. And then did you see when Grubauer went to go close up his legs, it hit the puck and pushed it in too? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it was tough because he was trying to read the shot but also read the pass, and he kind of ends up mixing himself up there and uh, his legs kind of fold up underneath him there and ends up going in. And I did like Seattle's jump after allowing that goal, but uh, honestly, it was a pretty underwhelming period from Seattle. Yeah, I mean, after only getting 22 shots on net total last game and you get shut out, I was expecting to see a lot more jump and urgency to the start of this game. Yeah, I agree, but it had a very similar vibe. Uh, just five shots on net through the first 20, that's not going to get it done. No, and if you thought that was a brutal start to the first, we're going to have a brutal start to the second period too because Alexiak blows a tire right beside Grubauer ends up on Chandler Stevenson's stick and he finds Eichel at the side of the net and he wires it. Grubauer's got no chance to get across on this. It's two nothing Vegas. Yeah, that there's not a whole lot you can do on that play because uh just the way Alexiak blew a tire, like you said, uh he pretty much passed it right to the Vegas uh player there who was uh, Chandler Stevenson and uh nobody's covering Eichel either. He's left alone out front. And I know you don't expect them to get that opportunity because, you know, you, you're not anticipating Alexiak falling right there with the puck and then feeding it to Vegas. But yeah, that, that was rough, dude. That was an ugly goal to give up. Yeah, that's tough. What's even more tough though, is Vegas then makes it three, nothing off the rush from Shea Theodore. I mean, guys got all the time in the world down the middle to take a feed from Dodonov, who's been hot as shit since Vegas, I guess you could say reacquired him unacquired. <laughs> yeah. Detraded him. I like Whatever. that. And yeah, at that point, dude, I was just feeling bad for Grubauer. Honestly, a piss poor effort from Seattle at that point of the game. You can't let Shea Theodore walk down the middle untouched like that and just do whatever he wants. Uh, that was just some pickup hockey shit. Yeah, and if Hack's looking for leadership, look no fucking further than Jared goddamn McCann, eh? Just drops the mitts on the ensuing face-off with Mike Amadio and pretty much just shit pumps the guy. Yeah, that was a hell of a fight from McCann. And... uh but yeah, that's what happens when a guy's emotionally fired up like that. He's going to drop the mitts, and you don't expect it from McCann, but that is absolute leadership there. He's showing that he's willing to do anything to get his team in the game. And uh, Durham, you could almost say captainship quality right there, eh? Yeah, that's definitely leadership. Someone trying to get the boys going. I mean, he knows he's usually a goal scorer. He's someone we, we 
don't want to be fighting. I mean, we could just echo all the quotes Colorado said after McKinnon's bout last week, right? But 100%, 100%. Yeah, you, he shouldn't be the one that has to step up to do that, but credit to him for doing it. So you know what? Why not wrap up the second period with another fight? Because Yanny Gord's going to ask Ben Hutton if he wants to get in on the action, and they're going to go for a little tilt here. Yeah, that was... Uh ballsy scrap from Yanny there to say the least from the certified shift disturber asking a much larger Ben Hutton to drop the mitts like that you know luckily he didn't take many punches it was almost a certified wrestling match but uh dude Yanny Gore picking on some guys bigger than him that's for sure eh yeah it's nice to see you know it's not the size of the dog in the fight size of fight in the dog exactly and uh just imagine what the tail of the tape was for that scrap i mean ben hutton has to be you know six plus feet right probably 30 to 40 pounds on yanny gourd so credit to yanny gourd man that guy's not afraid of anyone out there yeah they're definitely not in the same weight class no uh they definitely are a few weight classes apart but yeah in the third period we finally, finally get a goal. Alex Wenberg breaks the five and a half period scoring drought by beating Logan Thompson out front of the net. And uh, wow, holy guacamole, what a pass from the leader himself, Jared McCann. Had everyone in the building thinking he was going to shoot on that one and then just slips a filthy little no-look behind the back pass to, to Wenny there for the goal. That was a nice one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a nice deception, pulling everyone with him, just drops it, and then Wenberg just slams it into the net, making no mistake on it, right? He's like, this fucking thing's going in. Yeah, making sure that gets to the back of the net. And uh, it was, you know, unfortunate that that was really, it was a little too late, basically. I mean, too little, too late. Marshall gets an empty netter, makes it 4-1, but... Before the game could be officially over, Cole Lind was able to put away his very first NHL goal of his young career. So stick taps to the kid on that one. Uh, but like we said, a little too late, Vegas ends up adding uh, an empty net goal and officially sweeps the crack in this, se- this season, winning all four games against them. Yeah, so and you- honestly, yeah. these were tough couple games. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think of these last two games? <laughs> Well, honestly, watching these last two little miniseries with Vegas here, I thought Susie did not look good. He looked, like, uncomfortable. Almost it made me wonder if he's hurting. Playing through something? Yeah, because there was just a couple strides where it looked like he just couldn't get low enough or get any power in it, and that's uncharacteristic for him, right? Yeah, no, because, uh, yeah, he's been one of the best players on this hockey team. One of the probably like right up there with one of the most consistent players all year round. So uh, big Susie fans here and he's still signed to a deal for next season as well. So, uh, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, he didn't really stand out too much in those last two games. Yeah, but who did stand out was Sprong and Coolman. Like, those are guys we got to have stick around for at least another year going forward. They bring a bit of speed, some offense. Coolman's got a little bit more skill than I thought he did, to be honest. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a smaller guy again, but very tenacious, man. Brings a lot of speed in. Uh, it's no surprise why Boston had a guy like him on, on their hockey team because uh, he kind of fits that Boston style. And uh, Seattle kind of has a bit of that style in their game. And Carson Kuhlman is the A-plus standard of kind of that bottom six role that this hockey team 
or has with its players. So uh, I do like Kuhlman a lot. He, he's proven to be uh, a fantastic depth player for this team. And the way Sprong has come out of the gate scoring like he has, he looks like he's comfortable and fitting right in. So I like that analysis, Durham. One Vegas guy whose tires I got a pump, Alec Martinez. Holy shit. If he wasn't one of the best defensemen on the ice for both of those games. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's funny you say that. Uh, he, he just came back from an injury. So I, I, I have him saved on my fantasy team as a potential pickup. Um, just because, yeah, just because my defense isn't uh, in the best situation. So he's a guy I'm keeping a, a watch on because he can pick up with the offensive numbers too. But you're right. He's a, he's a fantastic top four defenseman. Yeah. Like he's steady there. They're going to need him if they make playoffs. I think he's going to be a huge part. I agree. Uh, and we had one more game to go, to break down Durham last night. Uh, the Kraken played Dallas and uh, it was game number 69 on the year. Nice. Nice. And uh, for the first time all year too, Drieger actually got his third start in a four game stretch. And, Again, I'd say not shocking at all. He obviously deserved to uh, to get this start after, you know, how elevated his play has been the last week. And, uh, you know, another non-shocker too. Once again, the famous Hackstall Line Blender 3000 was inactive, was activated the, in the morning skate prior to the game. And that uh, created some interesting lines heading into the game against Dallas last night, eh? Yeah, he had Wenberg centering Donato and Eberly, Gord centering Rask and Lind, Geeky between Sprong and Donskoy, and then Shahan in the middle of McCann and Kuhlman. Yeah, um, what on earth was McCann doing on that line? I don't get it. That, dude, that set me off. I Like, the guy drops the mitts, fights last game, and then he gets a demotion between like i mean we just pumped coolman's tires and shahan a serviceable fourth line centerman as well but what are you doing throwing your leading goal scorer on that fourth line like that is uh you know you're trying to lose the hockey game if you're doing that that, that can be investigated yeah the only thing that makes me think like why shahan is there and it's still odd to me because it's so far out is he's obviously just the placeholder for Beneers, right? Like when we get Maddie in, he's not taking, I assume he's not taking Geeky's spot since lower in the lineup, Geeky can do things. Shahan can't, he's not mm-hmm. going to take Gord out and he's not going to take Wenberg out. No, no, hundred percent. And, um, uh, I don't know whenever it comes time to it, I swear to God, if Beneers is put on the fourth line of this hockey team, I'll fire Hacksaw myself. I don't care where they list him on the lineup card. I just want to see his time on ice at least 10 minutes a game down the stretch here. Yeah, he's got to be around that 13, 14 minutes. And hopefully by the end, he's creeping up to 17 minutes in a game, maybe 18 one game. Give the guy some ice time and see what he could do and give him some top six and give him the best score. You know, put McCann on his wing. But that's Donato what I mean by Shahan being the uh, placeholder there. Like, I think it's going to be Beneers and McCann. 
I hope it is. That's going to be a deadly combo. See what you have between those guys right away, because that might be uh, like two of your top three players on your, you know, your, your first line next season, right? I think it's going to be those two. And then Tanev or Don Scoy. like we're talking next season, obviously now, if I'm bringing Tanev into this, but I think it's going to be one of those two on the right wing to give them a bit more of a defensive fast player on that line. I'm excited to get Tanev back in this lineup. Get the turbo back in it. We've been missing him all year, man, ever since he's been out. Yeah, we need him. Jumping into the game, though, I guess we could start the breakdown, Durham, because just a couple minutes into the game, Colin gets sent to the box for a tripping call, and uh, the new fourth liner and goal-scoring leader of the Kraken, Jared McCann, makes the give and go play up the middle of the ice with uh, Alex Wenberg there goes down and snipes his 25th of the year, an absolute beauty shorthanded tally. How about them apples? Yeah, not bad at all. eh? That was a nice goal. Yeah. And that would be the Kraken's eighth shorthanded goal of the year, putting them in a tie for fourth most in the league with St. Louis and Edmonton. Yeah, not too shabby. They, uh, it's funny. They went, what is it? Almost two and a half, three months. It felt maybe it was more like two. I could be butchering that. Uh, to start the season off, we we didn't see a, a single short-handed goal from them in like the first twenty to twenty-five games, and then uh, they've been going off as of recently with these short-handed goals. So you know, look out for that next season if they continue that trend, right? Yeah, especially getting Tanev back too, like a guy who makes his living on the penalty kill. He's definitely going to get his opportunities. If he buried a third of his uh, breakaways shorthanded, we'd probably be up to like 12 at least. So uh, yeah, he, he, he'll get there. He'll get there. But uh, yeah, McCann also becoming the first player in a Kraken in, in history to reach the 40-point mark in a season. So, uh, you know, a little, little tire pump for him right there as well. Yeah, which was great because that was the only fucking goal we would see until the third period, Tyler. The third period! I know, it was pretty quiet. It was defensive. Drieger was making uh, some big saves, but nonetheless, it was, uh, you know, jumping right into the third period there. Donato take a, uh, took a huge saucer pass from Carson Soucy, breaks in all alone and dangles Jake Ottinger out of his jock strap, score his 14th on the year, and my goodness, Durham, I cannot decide which part of that goal I liked more. I mean, the pass from Susie or the hands to finish it off from Donato. Right? Like, that was disgusting play on both ends of that. Started off and finish. And the finish, by the way, ties Donato's career high for goals in a season. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, that pass from Susie. I don't know if people are giving him enough credit for that. That was a disgusting saucer pass. Like the height on the pass, uh, the length, the way he stretched it uh, throughout the whole ice there to find Donato. And, uh, you know, he had the just the perfect amount of speed. It wasn't like a super fast one, but it just floated through the air. That was disgusting. And then Donato with just an absolutely insane move to deke out Ottinger there, eh? Yeah, that was nuts. I mean, that pass, like you said, was just perfect. Even as it came down, it just missed the Dallas players' stick there, too, and landed on Donato's. Just, oof. 
Oh man, that was disgusting. And, uh, you know, Dallas would get one back to make things interesting with five minutes left to play after Klingberg has a point shot that, uh, kind of finds its way through traffic on the four on four. And you know what? Quick little shout out to Lexiak for, uh, the penalty he took before that goal. If he didn't take that hooking call, uh, I mean, that would have been an automatic goal for Dallas. There was a wide open net there. So, uh, it's still technically, you know, they got the power play. I think Robertson went to the box, made it a four and four. So technically they still kind of scored because of that. But, uh, if it wasn't for Alexiak taking that, it, it would have been a goal no matter what. So that's when, uh, that's when you have to take penalties. There's good penalties. And, and that was one of the best ones you could take for Alexiak there. And then just minutes after Dallas would score that goal, they're only one of the game too. suck it stars. Yanni Gord would put this one away with another goal off a breakaway chance as he snipes it low glove for the 17th of the year. Yeah, that was, uh, it just seemed like there was breakaway after breakaway actually for the Kraken in this game. Like the most they've had all, all, uh, like in a single game all season long and 17th of the year for Yanni Gord. Not too bad. He becomes the second Kraken player to hit the 40 point mark on the year. Uh, so, you know, credit to those guys for hitting the 40 point mark. Uh, we'll see if they can get to 50 before this one's done before this uh, inaugural season wraps up. I believe in them. Carson Kuhlman I would also add the empty netter, make it four one victory for the Kraken. You know, and it just felt like Seattle wanted the game more than Dallas from start to finish, top to bottom. Yeah, uh, and you needed to see that, especially after the last two games against Vegas where it did not feel that way whatsoever. Another great game on the penalty kill again. Uh, they just didn't give Dallas any easy looks. And when Dallas did get their opportunities, Drieger was right there and just playing solid as ever. Another 29 save performance from Drieger. Another brilliant performance. And um, yeah, let's just hope we continue to see this from Chris Drieger, eh? Yeah, this is definitely like over the last three starts for Drieger, this is the guy we thought we were getting from Florida. So if we can have that consistency going into next year, we get that with going with Grubauer again. Now we've got that one-two tandem we thought we had. Our top nine for forwards are looking decent. I don't know if they'll be like, you know, world burning, but whatever. We'll be competent. Top four D will be okay. They'll be even better after we sign Klingberg. And now I'm excited for next year. Yeah. Uh, you add Maddie Beneers to that mix up front too. That's just super exciting for this hockey team. And uh, yeah, I think there's going to be moves made in the off season too. So um, I am very curious to see going to be going to have a lot of draft capital to do it. So excited for that. But just on a little side note here, Durham, uh, Chris Drieger did say in an interview that he's uh, he's been seeing sports psychologists in the last couple weeks, and it, it's helped him tweak a couple aspects of his uh, pregame routine. And, uh, you know, he said that, you know, when the season's not going the way you want it to, you have to take advantage of your available resources. So uh, just interesting to hear that he had been uh, seeing a sports psychologist as of recently. And you got to think that's led to, uh, some of the success he's he's recently had here. I don't know why it's not like almost mandated by the teams for everyone to use a sports psychologist. You don't have to use them all the time, like you, but like at least once a month you got to go. If you want to use more than that, that's on you. But like I'm a, I've been an advocate for that because I remember 
in an interview, Mark Andre Fleury saying like it basically saved his career. Like after 2015, when they got beat by the Rangers and kind of spanked, they were up. I want to say three one in that series. Oh, that was 2014 when they had St. Louis. But whatever. Anyways, Fleury was having his struggles in the playoffs that everyone was well aware of. Yeah. And then he started going to a sports psychologist and like it basically revitalized his career and made him stop worrying so much about it. And now look at the guy like he's a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. He is basically in the Hall of Fame like he he will be there. So, uh, yeah, it's funny because you don't hear many stories about uh, players going this route or at least publicly. But every time I do, it seems to always be a goalie. Uh, I remember hearing the other one that I remember the most is uh, Brayden Holpe said the same thing that he started seeing a sports psychologist. I believe it was around the 2016 or 2017 season. And then, uh, you know, he ends up winning a cup in 2018. So, you know, probably his best stretch of hockey right there as well, especially in the playoffs. Uh, so it just makes you think, right. Uh, you know, definitely if they have the resources, why not do it, especially if you're struggling? So credit to Drieger for taking those steps to uh, to improve himself because, you know, every day you're living is another day to get better, right? Yeah, the game's, uh, you know, temperamental. Yeah, motivational 50% Monday. 50% temper, 50% mental. <laughs> F&A rights, Cotton. I like that. Um, so, yeah, decent week, though. I mean, two wins, two losses. Uh, you got to take that. Some exciting wins in there, so... Uh, next week though, they got three games starting off, uh, Wednesday night against St. Louis. And then they play the very next night, Thursday against uh, Chicago, both on the road there. And then to finish things off this upcoming week, they have a big, big matchup against, uh, the Calgary flames at home on Saturday. So starting things off here, let's talk about the matchup against St. Louis on Wednesday night. What do we expect out of this one? I'm not really entirely sure what to expect out of St. Louis lately, to be honest. Like, this is a team everyone expects to be contending for the Cup, and if you look at their stats over the last month, they've been fucking dog water. They're 6-6-4. Yeah, six, six, yeah, they have been. They have not been getting the goaltending that they need in order to win, and I do question their depth on defense. Uh, I, I don't know how how good it can hold it could stave off some of those top teams in the west uh because they're going to be bringing so much offense and st louis can match that offense i mean they're probably right up there for the deepest offensive team in the nhl based on you know line by line scenarios but when you start to look at uh this team on defense it doesn't ex exactly get you excited no like i like the nick letty addition but also, I think he'd be great for a third pair for a contending team. I don't think if he's in your top four, you're really like, hey, we're fucking going for it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I know they have Tori Krug out, and I'm not sure how long he's out for right now. I couldn't tell you. That's obviously been a, a bit of a bad hit for them. And then they have that Scott Peronovich guy who, you know, was lighting up the AHL. So he's got some offensive side. But again, he's... He has almost no experience in the NHL. You can't really put, uh, you know, too many cards on him right away. But, um, yeah, if it wasn't for Billy Huso, this team uh, would be struggling mightily more, or, or even more, I should say. But Jordan Bennington, like, what has happened with this guy? He's kind of fell off the map a bit. Fell off the map or came back down to earth? 
Cool. I I mean, a lot of people forget. Like, there's seen some people I see online. Like, oh, who the hell's Huso? Why is he playing over Bennington? Get Bennington his reps back in. And a lot of people forget. Like when Bennington got called up, Huso was hurt. And if Huso wasn't hurt, he was getting the call up over Bennington. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, it's not like like go back. Bennington didn't have the greatest numbers. Uh, he just went on this insane stretch for, you know, that last bit of, uh, what was it, like January 3rd he got called up, and then they just went on an absolute tear, just smoking team after team. And he, obviously he was a huge part of that cup run, right? But, um, you know, the next season after, he wasn't too bad, but he's kind of, his numbers are kind of getting worse and worse ever since. So uh, he's not exactly, even though he has the contract to say he's a solidified number one, he's not. That's just the Matt fact, Murray right? 2.0 kind of looking that way, kind of looking that way. Not going to lie. Um, but yeah, this is going to be, you know, a team that brings a lot of offense. I mean, you go through their, their top three lines here and they got scores on, you know, all parts of these lines. You got Ryan O'Reilly and Perron who's been, they've been kind of clicking as of recently. Uh, Brendan Saad, he's clicking as of recently. You got Buchnevich, who was an amazing addition, especially for the price they paid to get him. Robert Thomas, Vladdy Tarasenko. I mean, Braden Shen is center in their third line. You got Ivan Barbashev, who's like a almost a point per game guy playing on their third line right now. Uh, I think Kairu's injured, so that's why they got Alexei Torpachenko up. Um, but yeah, you just look at this lineup, and there's so much depth up front. Yeah, they're a deep team. And you bring up Braden Shen, right, playing on their third line. Since March 1st, he's been a point a game. 16 points in 16 games on their third line. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. And, like, they got they got point-per-game guys, like, on all three of their top lines. So you're going to have to play a defensive-style game if you're going to hold that off if you're the Kraken, right? Maybe try to find an early lead and, and not exactly sit on it, but. Uh, you know, use that to your advantage. Of course, they're a bit weak defensively. I mean, they got Tori Krug out right now. They got Marco Scandella on their first pair. So, you know, keep that in consideration. And Bertuzzo and Cal Rosen as their third pair. I mean, I would I would take arguably, you know, looking at the Kraken's D, I might take that over theirs. But, um, you know, with where it is right now, if you had Krug in, that would be tough to say. But, uh yeah, give me a score prediction. Ooh. 4-1 Seattle. Oh, I like it. And you know what? I'm going to be this. Uh, so fantasy playoff week, Durham. I'm going to say St. Louis wins this one. I'm going to say they win 4-1 actually. Um, just because I kind of want it to happen because I have Vili Huso and I got Perron and O'Reilly and Cairo on my fantasy team. And Whose I fucking points. team are you on? <laughs> I need the points and the Kraken. They could take a loss here. They could take the loss, you know, stay in the bottom three. I think things would be okay, but I'm going to go against here. I'm going to go four one uh, for St. Louis, but we'll see what happens. They play the very next night against Chicago not a whole lot to say about this team right now. I don't know. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Chicago is the only team we're playing against this week that's doing worse than us. Yeah, I mean, in the standings, technically they're not, but... Uh, I'm looking over that, the last month. I was going to say, I keep it as recent. of recently, 
as of recently, they they definitely have been. You got some stats for uh, for their play the last month? Yeah, they've only won five games in their last 16, so oof. That's yeah, tough. that's that is tough. And of course they traded away Brandon Hagel there, which was obviously a shocker to a lot of people and just makes you think is Patty Kane and Jonathan Taves gone after the end of the season? I don't know, it's weird cuz like they both got one year left, right? Mhm. So I could see some teams being like, "Hey, we can't take on five million dollars so if they do get moved it'll have to be a three-way trade in order just to retain the salary to get it down yeah yeah i agree i mean they might be in a situation where they eat half of one of those players uh, with a trade because they'll be in rebuilding mode anyway so if they want to eat that they they should be able to but yeah i mean they got they got some young guys coming up i mean kirby doc we're all you know I guess a little bit shocked when he seemed like the best player out of that 2019 draft starting his NHL career ahead of uh Capo Caco and a guy named Jack Hughes. I don't know if you know him or not, but um, he's kind of, I don't know after that first rookie season, he's he kind of seems like he's taken a bit of a step back, right? Yeah. Well, he had that injury that kind of pushed him out too. And I think he missed time again this year, just going off th- the top of my head. I think you're right too. So he's had some, uh, yeah, some injury struggles to start off his, his, uh, young career, but, uh, he, he should be a top line centerman one day for this hockey team. But, um, other than that, there's not a whole lot to say about Chicago in this matchup here, basically just a revenge game from them beating us earlier on in the season, very earlier on. So, uh, they'll be doing it without a flurry in net and uh, a couple other key guys, you know, they still have Seth Jones and, you know, the bros playing together actually on the first offensive pair, Seth Jones and Caleb Jones. Uh, so that's pretty wild. Yeah, when your team's shit, you can let cool things happen. Yeah, exactly. So remember uh, when Carolina was awful and the three stalls played together? They're like, hey, look at this. We're relevant. Hey, getting fans in the building somehow, right? Exactly. You got to do what you got to do. I'm going to go with a 5 2 victory for uh, the Kraken in this one. What are you thinking? Six three for the six three. I like it. Okay, five two and six three. We'll see what what turns out. So after that game, they uh they have a really big matchup against the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. And uh, you just want to fill the people in why it's such a big matchup at home. I don't know. Because oh, it's yarn the return crock. of Cali right. Yarn Crock, baby. Uh, you know, the Seattle Kraken legend. Uh, and can we expect a video tribute here? Oh my God. I hope not. (laughs) I'm going to die on this fucking hill. (laughs) Dude. I hope and pray there is a video tribute for Callie Yardcrock. I really do. No. Yeah. It's going to be the first Kraken player returning back home after being traded. And you know, he's a big part, big part of the first year, the expansion year. And, uh, no doubt he's going to get a cheer from the crowd. No doubt about it. And I actually think they're going to boo. They're uh, they're going to put a video tribute together. And I get what you're saying here. I just want to see it because I think it would be funny and exciting. But uh, I know what you're about to say. And these video tributes are getting out of hand. See, and exactly what you're saying right there is why I hate it. You think it's going to be funny. 
these video tributes aren't meant to be like a joke. They're supposed to be for people that were important to your organization and the community there. Not just, hey, look at this fucking third liner that we traded for, what was it, a second and a third? Was it two seconds? <laughs> it was a second and a third. A second and, and a third seven. and a seventh. So, ooh, look at this guy we traded for three draft picks. He just happens to be the first one coming back. <laughs> Dude, come on. He was a top six player. Don't sell him short like that. What line's he on in Calgary? The third line. <laughs> so piss off. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually listed as day-to-day right now. Uh, so, so he's going to get a play? <laughs> better. I am praying he's in the lineup because he... <laughs> He's going to go for a little skate at a commercial break. And uh, there's going to be a standing ovation for this guy. And I'm going to absolutely love to see it. But uh, just because it is the first player who's kind of returning from a different team. So, you know, he's still part of the expansion team. And I think that's special in that sense. But I think you're right. I mean, you're seeing like... Ben Sherrod, if he goes back to Montreal, like is like he's gonna get a video tribute. Like that's gonna happen, um, and it should not happen. Like, I, like I want to be clear: standing ovations and cheering and shit from the fan, absolutely go nuts. Like I give a shit. He was a great, like good player for the team, serviceable. Yeah, let's cheer him on. He was a good dude. Why are we making a fucking video tribute? What are we gonna fucking put his jersey up in the rafter next? Maybe you might. Don't have you to. dare! I swear to God. <laughs> anyways like yeah i'm excited to see that i'm i i think he will get a good uh good standing o and a big cheer or something like that for sure from the crack and from the crack and community and the arena there so looking forward to seeing that uh let's get back into the the matchup a bit more this is a a team the crack and i've been struggling against this year and uh you know obviously they're they're a sick team right uh calgary's one of the top teams in the league this season what can we expect out of this one they're going to score goals, man. They're almost four goals a game in the last month since the start of March there. And not just like the team, but you look at uh, Goudreau too. He's been hot in the last month, right at the top of the league. 27 points in 17 games. Him and Matthew Kachuk are kind of carrying the offense there. Yeah, and uh, Elias Lindholm too. Uh, what a, what an amazing season he's having again. And uh, he doesn't get enough credit for that team. He he is a legit number one center. He's basically the center they thought they would have gotten when they drafted Sean Monahan, but uh, didn't. Uh, but yeah, credit to those three guys. Absolutely insane. Obviously, Andrew Andrew Mangiapane, uh, career year offensively for him. He's scoring a ton of goals. Michael Backlund's looked pretty good this year. They trade for Tyler Toffoli, who's been hot ever since going there. Blake Coleman is a great addition they picked up. Um, Trevor Lewis, he's one of those guys who, uh, you know, he's played under uh, the head coach there. What's his name? Sutter. Sutter. He's played under Sutter. He's a serviceable serviceable guy under Sutter. He knows what he's like. Um you got some young guys in there, Dylan Dubé too, who brings some offense, and then uh, some muck and grinders. Milan Lucic really revitalized his career a bit since being moved to Calgary. I feel like and really found more of a more of a role that that suits him better instead of uh, you know the way he was playing in Edmonton and, and used there. So I do like this team quite a bit. I, I think they could be primed for a deep run. 
Yeah, Calgary does look good, and I don't know what it is, but I've always been the guy that's like, yeah, Calgary's not that good. I don't think they're great. Every like, even that year where they dominated the league and then ended up first and played Colorado, there was a bunch of people that I worked with. They're like, oh, Calgary's sick. They're gonna just crush Colorado, and I was like, you're an idiot. Calgary's terrible. But this is the one year I'm not gonna be that guy. I don't think Calgary's that bad. They might win a round. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I agree with you. Like. There's just a different feel to this team. Sutter's got them playing uh, some fantastic hockey, and they they obviously seem pretty bought in with his systems and and everything he's bringing to the table. And not only like on top of that, you add in Markstrom and and that goaltending. Uh, man, this team is uh, just a certified weapon heading into playoffs. Yeah, they're pretty solid. They're deep. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, we got Matty Beneers in the lineup for this one. That, w- that would be exciting. But uh, uh, give me a, a score prediction for this one, Durham. 5-1 for Calgary. 5-1 Calgary. I'm going to go um, 3-2 overtime win for Seattle. Big upset game. Really? Yes, I really. Like it. I think that could uh, definitely happen. Uh, you know, putting all my marbles in that basket, this one. So, uh, yeah, it should be a fun one. Kraken fans, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back to the pod, Kraken fans. Uh, Durham, it's time to show Joey Dak some love because Joey Decord He's down there in the AHL grinding it out with Charlotte, and he was recently named AHL Goalie of the Month for the month of March. And uh, just give the fans some of the stats he put up because they are beautiful. Well, with these numbers, how can you not be Goalie of the Month? Goes 6-1 and one with a 155 goals against average and a 956 save percentage. Like, are you kidding me? absolutely bonkers there and you know i know our goaltenders are playing some pretty good hockey as of recently but uh you know when that when joy decorder putting up numbers like that does he deserve a bit of a call up here before the end of the season to maybe get another game or two in i imagine you'll probably get at least one down the stretch here if he keeps playing like that kind of at the same time it depends where charlotte is right like if they're poised to start going for a run you don't want to call the guy up just to give him a game and screw with what's going on down there 
Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but I would I would definitely love to see him get a game or two in uh, before the end of the season is up again. Uh, you know, it's been a while since he has gotten a call up, and I think the team is playing much better and can play the systems a lot better than uh, when he was getting called up earlier in the season. And it just felt like every game he was in, he had to stand on his head. He had, you know, so many two on ones, three on twos, just odd man rushes go against him where. Uh, it was just unfortunate timing for him, and he was getting kind of lit up in a sense. But huge Joy Decord fan here, so I would love to see a call-up for him. But yeah, just unbelievable stats in the AHL. He's lighting it up, and we absolutely love to see it, don't we? Absolutely. All right, we're absolutely ready uh, for our next segment here, Durham. And uh, I'm going to toss you into the deep end. <laughs> Question one for you here. Uh, which newly acquired players will be in next year's starting lineup here? Is it, you know, we got Rask, we got Sprong, Kuhlman. You could even throw Pouliot who got traded in there. Uh, what one of these players or any of these players, are they going to be in the starting lineup next season? I think out of those four, you have to keep Sprong and Kuhlman. I think those are the guys that are going to bring something to the team next year. I think the other two you can cut are kind of just in the lineup. I don't think they're going to be important pieces next year, but out of the new guys coming in, I think Sprong and Kuhlman. Sprong and Kuhlman. Cool. Uh, and uh, you don't see any future here for Rask? No, I don't think so. Cause looking forward to next year, like whose spot is he going to take in the middle? Wenberg, Beneers, Gord and Geeky? Probably not. Especially Rask. So UFA, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't see any future with Rask and not to shadow on the guy or anything, but it, it it's probably just not going to fit the plans, you know? That's just the way it is. Unless he wants to be a 13th forward going in. Yeah. Like he'll probably squeeze in and get time here and there, but I don't see him beaming, being a permanent spotter, let alone in the starting lineup next year. No, especially you bring, you bring Tanev back into the mix and – Schwartz still needs a spot. You probably want to have Cole Lynn playing some time. Like there's just not, not a whole lot of spots going to be available. Right. Especially if, like you said, Sprong and Kuhlman are, are two of those guys taking spots up too. It leaves basically no room for Rask and Pouliot. He was just a filler. I don't think there's any role for him on this team. No. All right. Question number two. If the Kraken were to announce uh, the naming of a new captain tomorrow, who would you be putting your money on for, uh, for getting that captaincy? Ooh, see, I almost want to say McCann, but I don't know if he's got like leadership experience. I don't think he's been a captain before, and he's still young. So going off of those hesitations, I don't know, maybe Schwartz, guy who's been in a leadership role before kind of an established guy in the league, solid both ways. Yeah, this is a tough one. This is a re really tough one because I think there's uh, a handful of guys you could make an argument for. I think Schwartz is in that argument. I don't think Eberle is your captain type guy. I would have Yanni Gord ahead of him. Just, yeah. you know, just by the way he brings it every night and the leadership he plays with on the ice, that would be a good guy wearing that C. And I'd even give some credit to Adam Larson, if I'm being honest here. This is a guy who I believe held the captaincy when uh, he was in New Jersey, right? 
No. No, he never did. Okay. Blank total. That's a dash one there, Ty. But uh, he's been an assistant captain for, I want to say, at least seven seven years or so, right around that. So he, he's been a leader for quite a while. He's wore the captaincy in the World Juniors for Sweden. I know that for sure. So he, he has those kind of qualities. I don't know if he's the leader for this team, though. You know? Yeah, I don't think so. Especially like the... This is obviously something going back to the sports psychologist. This is something he could have worked with while he was in Edmonton, but he was talking about the whole hall one for one thing. Right. And how much that kind of fucked with him in Edmonton, always hearing like, Oh, we, you were the guy we got for hall and being compared to Taylor. And so having that way on him kind of makes you wonder if he could really be the guy for people to lean on himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it's one of those situations where you could end up putting too much pressure on him and exactly. not getting not getting enough out of him at, at that point. So, yeah, it's a tough one. But I say the top three candidates got to be Schwartzy, uh, Canner, and um, Yanni Gord. There, I'd agree with that. So it'll be interesting to see. Probably won't happen until the off season. I think that's probably going to be the best timing for it, right? Do it in the off season sometime. I'd like to see it before training camp. I would like to see that happen. We'll see what happens though. Who knows what the timings of these, sometimes it happens in training camp or at the end of training camp per se. So uh, it's kind of what we've seen with the, how they named Mark Giordano captain. Uh, I know there's a lot of question marks if they were going to name a captain for the season, but they ended up doing that right at the end, right before the season started with Mark Giordano. So Something to keep an eye on for sure, but I think those are the top three to take that uh, that captaincy. Moving right along here, Durham, we got a bit of NHL news worth mentioning. Uh, starting things off, uh, Elliot Friedman reporting that the salary cap will indeed go up next season by a staggering $1 million, bringing the total to $82.5 million uh, for a cap. Uh, what are you, Thoughts on that at all? But it should help us facilitate facilitate a three-way trade with Chicago when they move either Kane or Taves, right? 100%. What about Seth Jones? <laughs> nah, he's there. Yeah, I think so too. They gave up too much to just get rid of him right away. He's still young enough. You could do a rebuild slash retool around the guy. So I don't really see him moving. But worth mentioning about the cap, it's nice to see that it is going up still. I know when it was first announced that it would be three years without it moving. Um, obviously, uh, they've been able to recover and make a bit more money than uh, maybe anticipated. So, uh, you know, we see a $1 million raise. Hopefully that gets up to two, two and a half, maybe even three for the next season. We'll see how things play out in the world because you just never know. But moving along from that, uh, Pierre Lebrun reporting that Bill Bill Daly says the next World Cup of Hockey in 2024 won't have a team North America youngsters nor a team Europe. The the event will go back to traditional ways, countries only. Thoughts on this one? Boo, you suck. Dude, I see so many people online like in comments saying, oh, thank God. Oh, yes. Oh, great. That's great news. I'm against it, man. I loved having the North America youngsters team. And even if that one wasn't, wasn't a part of it, I still love the idea of a team Europe, you know, 
made of all the teams, all the European teams that obviously won't be part of those, uh, I don't know, eight or 10 big countries that, that end up going right. So at least have a team Europe for the guy. I mean, I mean, that team was dominant too. They kicked ass. They went to the finals against Canada. So I would love to see these teams back personally. So is team European captain Anze Kopitar just told go fuck yourself and he's not allowed in the world cup now. Yeah. They're like, nobody else from Slovenia plays hockey, dude. So you're shit out of luck. Like, I think it's just stupid. I think it's completely stupid too. And God, it has me worried if, uh, you know, is there going to be a, a team Germany? Because I hope, I hope they have a team Germany. I think they will. It wouldn't because... make sense not to with how much, how many young players have been coming up from Germany. I think yeah. it's terrible marketing by the NHL to not have a German team in. I know, absolutely terrible. If you're leaving Drysdale and and Cider and Stutzla and some of those other young guys, Turka, Reichel, yeah, those guys. Um, there's one other that I'm thinking of that was a St. Louis prospect, Dominic Bach, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, they have a plethora of guys coming up, so. I hope that they're they're in it for sure, but it's tough to say right now. But you know what? I guess we can't complain too, too much. At least we're getting it back in 2024. Still feels like it's miles away, though. I You know, after missing out on this year's um, Olympics, we have to wait another two seasons for this. Is is kind of trash. I do kind of like how it's set up in 24, though, because then it's going to be every two years like if they go yeah. to the olympics though we're going to be every two years with a best on best tournament yeah it kind of simulates the sock the, like the way soccer does it right you have the world cup of soccer and then two years later the olympics and then two years and so it kind of bounces back and forth like that every two years so that's good as long as they continue the world cup of hockey in 2028 so uh, still a lot of time before then, so we'll see how things play out. But 2024, man, that's going to be exciting. And uh, one little tidbit of news, because I thought this was a bit of a mind-blowing stat uh, in a sense. Jonathan Huberdeau now holds the NHL record for most assists by a left winger in a single season in NHL history after recording his 71st assist of the season earlier in the week. Give me your thoughts on this one, brah little mind bottling that, you know, it takes till now for a left winger to get the 70 assists, right? Like that's kind of crazy to me. Oh, it, absolutely. That's why I had to get that on here because I would have thought there, there was other left wingers out there that would have got it done. Right. Like Luke Robitaille at the top of my head would have been uh no brainer for that stat, but guess that's the case. Do you have any stats to expand on that one? Yeah, I actually got a little bit of a deep-end question for you here. The most assists in a season by any winger, left or right, is 87. Huberto is at 73 right now, 14 away. Does he get there? (laughs) Yes, he gets 89. Okay, okay. Florida's got 13 games left. Okay, so so he's already on that pace, technically. Well, basically, he's basically on that pace, right? So, 
I definitely could see that happening. Um, I mean, Florida, what are they scoring the most goals per game uh, of any team in the last 25 years or something crazy like that. So they have the offense. He's obviously red hot there playing on a stacked team. Uh, they're MVP player really. Um, yeah, I could see it happening, but yeah, that's crazy. So any winger 87, I swear like Kucherov just must... tied it like uh, really? a couple years ago. Yeah. With 87, but sorry, that what were you saying sense. about a centerman? Centermen definitely have more than 87 in a season, right? Actually centermen are fucking crazy. So there's 12 times a centerman has hit a hundred assists in one season. A hundred. Yeah, that's wild. But I mean, they're in the middle of the ice, right? Controlling the play a lot more. So getting all those touches, uh, that's going to add up. But I, I'm sure there's some big name players uh, on that list, right? Now there's just two. Wayne Gretzky he did it 11 times. There's and then the other two. one was Mario Lemieux. <laughs> okay. So, hey, I still got it right. P- players. Some right? big names. So, you're right. You're right. Big names. But uh, yeah, maybe a little few than I had uh, anticipated there. But. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Moving right along, though. Yeah, I just had to throw that stat in. Just thought it was crazy. Well, I think, what do you think of Jay Beagle and uh, Troy Terry incident? Uh, I mean, I can kind of see both sides, but at the same time, I I think Beagle's a bit of a meathead. Yeah, I think that was a bit of a meathead play. Um, You kind of, you have to, the important thing here is I think separating the actual play that happened and then the commentary on the play. I think separating these two things is very important when you're breaking this situation down because online it feels like a lot of players are tying those two things together, and they're like, oh, Jay Beagle beat up Troy Terry because because he's showing too much skill in the hockey game based on uh, what the announcer said there, which was uh, former player, right? Yeah, Tyson Um, Nash. Tyson Nash, that's right. And that's not the reason why he got shit pumped like that, is it? No, no, that wasn't it. But uh, you might want to expand on that a little bit. Yeah, so so basically, you know, Zegres obviously out here uh, scoring his Zegres-style goal once again. That time he kind of wrapped it around a teammate too. That was kind of filthy of him. And right before it too, he tries a through-the-legs play. So Zegres doing unbelievable things. But anyways, scores that goal. But later in the game, I believe it's 5 nothing late in the third. And uh, Zegras does kind of jab at uh, the Arizona goaltender there for, for a second. Beagle obviously doesn't like it. Gives him a cross check. He falls down. Troy Terry jumps in and jumps on Jay Beagle. And Jay Beagle obviously, you know, a, a, f- a flick a switch flicked in up in his head there because uh, he just went absolutely bananas, grabbed Terry, you know, after he grabbed him and pretty much shit pumped him and, and blew his whole eye up. And yeah, it looked pretty ugly. Some of the pictures after, but uh, that's the reason why those fights went down. And you know, the way Tyson Nash was, was talking about it, you know, he was basically quoted. I, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but, basically was saying on air that uh you know he he they shouldn't be skilling it up so much or hot dogging is a reference he used to Zegres's scoring that Michigan style goal style goal earlier in the game and 
basically said that if you're going to do that, you better be prepared to fight, right? So I definitely do not agree with what Tyson Nash was saying on, uh, you know, on the broadcasting side of things, but I could also see why Jay Beagle took it to Troy Terry there because Troy Terry kind of, you know, jumped in at Jay Beagle. He wanted to defend Zegras after he took a little bit of a cross check in the crease. So I don't know, man, that's just the way I see it. I think he obviously, Jay Beagle obviously went a bit too far with that fight, but it's the NHL, man. Things like that are going to happen. We've seen it in the past. We're going to see it in the future. So give me your thoughts on it now. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you there too. I mean, I do think Beagle went a little over the edge because he was so pissed off they were getting embarrassed, right? Like, that's anyone. Oh, yeah. Anytime you're getting it's your an shit emotional pumped, game. you're mad. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to go. But I will say I do agree with the one part, not in terms of how he says it and wants to, like, how he's saying it coming across in terms of, like, oh, if you're good, you'd better be ready to get your ass kicked. But I do agree with what Nash says, where, like, if you're going to embarrass somebody, be prepared that they're going to take exception to it. Like, I'm not saying you're going to have to, but it kind of lines up with, uh, I guess what I'm relating it to is one of the best bits of advice I've ever heard a former pro parent tell their kid when they were going into high level hockey was Doug Gilmore telling his son when he was getting drafted and going into the OHL, he said, anytime you are on the ice, whether you have the puck or not, you need to be ready to be hit. You have to expect someone's going to make contact with you. And I, I don't know. I think that kind of lines up with it in what I'm thinking there too, in terms of you don't have to, it, you're not out there looking for it. You just have to know it could happen. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Actually. I like how you bring that up and add in, you know, Dougie Gilmore's, you know, actual quote to his kid about those types of situations, because, you know, we played hockey before we know that, you know, if you're running up the score and it's not, it's five, nothing, right. I'm not saying that they're running up the score here, but if that happens, be prepared for the other team to take exceptions like that and get physical and get nasty. It's part of the game. And Troy Terry Still, you know, with what he did, he he jumped in to defend his teammate. He grabbed Beagle. He did initiate that. He didn't have to. He wanted to defend his teammate. He didn't. Yeah, have I think to. he made the right play. It's just he, he made had to the be right ready play. for what comes next. And I don't think he's been in that type of situation where you know he got shit pumped like that from Jay Beagle, and. uh you just have to be prepared. I mean, it's still a man's game at the end of the day and things like that are, are going to happen. But yeah, I think we could both agree that Jay Beagle did step across that line a bit and, and, you know, start pumping him a bit too much as for some of the stuff Zegras was saying about hitting him while he was down. I don't know. I watched it a couple times. He hit him on the way down, but he wasn't, wasn't filling him in when he was on the ground. Yeah, I couldn't find an angle where that was happening. The one thing I didn't like from Beagle is when they're stuck in a scrum and like there's people obviously trying to pull it apart. He just keeps fucking killing Terry. Yeah. Like Terry doesn't really have a chance to defend himself and he's just pumping his face shut. Yeah. 
pumped his face shut. And, you know, Terry was just going in there to grab him to stop anything. He didn't drop his gloves at all. He didn't kind of initiate that. But it's one of those situations where, you know, it's a tough look. And I don't mind Zegras, you know, calling calling guys out after the game uh, in the interview there. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I got no issue with that either. Good teammate. Good teammate there. And I like, uh, you know, the young kid, not afraid to be vocal about it like that. So thumbs up to that. But yeah, Terry looked pretty brutal the next day. Some of those pictures, yikes. Not a great look for uh, Jay Beagle, especially a guy who I don't think he has a single assist in like 30, nearly 40 games all year. And he's obviously at the end of his career. And uh, it, it just makes it a tougher situation versus, you know, a guy who's established doing something like that. So makes the situation seem a bit worse, but I thought I'd add that one in. Yeah. Like I don't have anything against Jay Beagle. I never watched him that much. I had a respect for him, I guess, when he was on Washington because Penn's fan playing all those battles against Washington. But I'll mm-hmm. be honest. Dude, I didn't even know Jay Beagle was in the league anymore. The last thing I remember was him signing with Vancouver, and I thought, fuck, that's a lot of money for him. Yeah, yeah, Vancouver gave out uh, a lot of lucrative deals to a lot of fourth-line guys. Him, Roussel, like, spent way too much money on their bottom six. Just, uh, you know, classic Jim Benning, right? (laughs) If you could hit, skate decently okay, and scored 15 points in a season once, you got a three-year contract from Vancouver. Yeah, and you have to win draws, too. You have to, well, maybe not Roussel, but... That's the one thing Beagle was great at was uh, winning draws. So yeah, that's what, that's what he's known for. So, but he made a shit ton of money doing it. So credit to him, Durham. Let's end this episode off with uh, Player of the Week, and uh, you want to take the honors for this one because uh, I don't think it's a bit of a shocker by any means. Oh, anyone who's listened this far or watched the games knows it's going to be Chris Drieger, of course, getting these honors. I mean, look at these numbers. Three games played, two wins, 136 goals against average, 957 save percentage. If he was in the AHL, he'd have been goalie of the month on that week alone. And he had 92 saves. Yeah, outstanding. It's, uh, you know, it's better late than never to see Drager put up those numbers, right? Uh, everybody talked about how Seattle had a top 10 goal, goal tandem duo, duo going into the season. And we're kind of starting to see what these two can do together as a goalie tandem. And Chris Drager, go off, King. Those numbers are insane. And uh, if this helps him, you know, bring the confidence or have the confidence coming into next year, then we'll we'll take that any day here because uh, it's just awesome to see him finally finding his game again. Hopefully he stays found with it. Exactly. (laughs) Stays found. I like that. But uh, Durham, I think we've been going off uh, quite a while on this pod. So we're going to wrap things up here. uh, And it's time to get the puck out of here, man. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode number 28. Join us next week as we break down all three cracking games. And, of course, we'll keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things cracking. Have a great week, everyone, and peace out, cracking nation.